He started with a hot rod shop in the city of Pasadena in 1966 called Sticks Unlimited. In June of 2003, we built and opened up this facility, Ontario Volkswagen. Coming into a car dealership doesn't have to be an anxiety-filled transaction. We're really a family-owned and operated business is what we are. Look at the third-party review sites. Look at what Yelp customers are saying about us. Look at what Google Plus customers, Facebook customers. These are all you know very valid third-party websites that offer customer reviews, unsolicited customer reviews. You really have to experience it. Welcome to iDrive SoCal, the podcast all about mobility from the automotive capital of the United States, Southern California. This is a special episode as we welcome our newest partner from the world of automotive retailing, Ontario Volkswagen. Ontario Volkswagen, obviously located in the Los Angeles suburb of Ontario, just off the 15. And with me today is Mr. Earl Reed, who's the general manager of Ontario Volkswagen. Earl, thank you so much for joining us. Thank you for partnering with the program, and we're so excited to begin working with you. Well, thank you. We're really excited to be part of this uh, fast-growing podcast community. So we were just talking off mic a little bit about how Ontario Volkswagen became, and uh, it's a family-owned and operated store, has been for a long time, but it has a pretty rich history in the automotive culture here in Southern California. So- um, why don't you take us from the beginning? Sure. Yeah. The, uh, uh, the, um, Mr. Gary Sherman is the owner of Ontario Volkswagen and Ontario Volvo. And he started with a hot rod shop in the city of Pasadena in 1966 called sticks unlimited. And from the, um, growth from sticks unlimited, he ended up getting a Fiat Peugeot dealership in the city of Pomona. And ended up adding Triumph during those days of the late 60s and early 70s. Okay. And then I think it was 1973, he acquired uh, a Volvo dealership, Fiat, Volvo and Fiat dealership in the city of Pomona. And it was called Frank White Imports. It was down on Holt Boulevard there for okay. many, many years. Okay. From there, Mr. Sherman uh, acquired the Chrysler Plymouth dealership, which was called Monter- Montclair Chrysler Plymouth as well as the Volvo franchise was moved from the city of Pomona to the city of Montclair under the name of exclusively Volvo. Okay. And it opened up in 1986 uh, on Central Avenue, Central and Holt in Montclair as exclusively Volvo. Okay. And then he added uh, Audi and Porsche in 1991, which was the old George Vollmer, Porsche and Audi. And then I joined uh, Mr. Sherman in uh, September, August, September of 1992. And at that time, it was uh, exclusively Volvo and Porsche in that same building in Montclair. Okay. So he's been serving the automotive community uh, since 1966 and primarily been in the Inland Empire since, oh, I was going to tell you, late 60s, early 70s in the Inland Empire. So in 1995, we acquired the Volkswagen franchise here in the city of Ontario. Okay. And we moved Volvo and Porsche over to the Ontario Auto Center in late 1995, early 1996. And we ran it as exclusively Volvo, Porsche, and Volkswagen. All right. And subsequently, in June of 2003, we 
built and opened up this facility, Ontario Volkswagen and Ontario Volvo is still over in the original location in the auto center. And so what we're currently managing is a Volvo store and a Volkswagen dealership. And going all the way back, rich history, I didn't want to interrupt you, but but the the hot rod shop, Sticks Unlimited, what what did what did Sticks what, what, what did that mean? Manual transmission. Okay, that's what I thought. I, I, right, for Corvettes, okay. you know, at that particular sure. time, Corvettes sure. and that type of stuff is what he was selling. Sure. And Hot Rods really got their start here in Southern California. They did, yes. They were very, very popular. You know, the Beach Boys scene and the Hot Rods, Yeah, that was right here in Southern California. Yeah. I'm so happy nobody got to the iDrive SoCal concept before I did, because this is just so much fun for me to hear the it's history. It's fun talking to this gentleman like Mr. Sherman, who's, you know, an entrepreneur, right? Yeah. Because all of a sudden decided I'm going to get in the car business and starts with one car. Yep. And built it into where it is today. Yeah. And and let his passion become his livelihood. Correct. Right. And correct. That's so fun. Um, okay. So then... That's the history of the store. Now, the history of you personally, you have a pretty interesting uh, path to uh, the position that you hold now. I do, yeah. I, I'd love to talk about this story because I, I refer to it as only in America. <laughs> you, know, you could write that book about what was my journey to get where I am today. And uh, I started in 1975 right out of high school uh, washing cars at a Chevrolet dealership in Riverside, California. It's called DeAnta Chevrolet. And um, I knew I wasn't going to go the path scholastically going to college mm -hmm. uh, after high school. It just wasn't my cup of tea. And my father had told me, well, if you're going to uh, get into the workforce, you need to select a field that no matter what happens in this world, you're going to be able to utilize those skills. And that's how transportation came to mind. Sure. So I uh, applied for a job out of the newspaper. Um, I was only 17 years old at that point. I hadn't even turned 18 yet. And they hired me to wash cars at DeAnta Chevrolet. And I did that for one full year and grinded it out. We got some cute stories about that. I'm going to share it real quick. Please. Uh, when I turned 18 years old, which was about 60 days after I had started there, okay. my supervisor's name was Jerry Blandino, called me in his office and told me what a great job I was doing and wanted to give me a raise great. Uh, to acknowledge the great work I had done. And uh, I suddenly found out after the fact that he had to give me racism on my birthday, I turned 18 and the minimum wage requirements changed. <laughs> changed. So I think it was $1.80 an hour I was making. <laughs> so he did a great sales job on me, yeah, needless to say. Yeah. So that's one of those things you'll always remember. You know? Sure. Nice positioning. So I did that for about a year and uh, I had some um, older gentlemen that uh, had some real impacts on my life and one of them was a service dispatcher at this uh, very, very large Chevrolet dealership in Riverside. And my lunch hour, I used to go sit in his office with him and watch how he dispatched service repair orders to technicians in the shop. I said, I can do that. Sure. And so I kind of used that uh, on the job training, off the clock, of course, on the job training. Right. So I applied for a service dispatcher job at a Toyota dealership in Riverside called Joe Redford's Toyota Riverside. Okay. Here I was all of 18 years old, soon to turn 19 years old, and I go apply for this position. And of course, I put on my application that I'm a car washer, and they wonder, well, why do you think you could do this service dispatcher right. job? And I said, I can do it, believe me. Just yeah, I got give, me give me a shot. Give me 30 days, and I'll prove I can do it. So Al Christie hired me for that particular job and uh, ended up proving myself in that role, and he kind of, uh, took me under his wing a little bit. Um, Al did, um, and along with another gentleman named Dick Jennings, and they taught me to become a service advisor. 
Next thing you know, I was a service writer at a Toyota Riverside. And I did that until uh, 1979. And then it was an ad in the paper for a service manager at Volvo of Riverside, owned by Mr. Rick Fritz at the time. And I think I was all of 20 years old now. Mm -hmm. But I knew that I could just about do anything. And I went and applied to become a service manager. Convinced him to hire me at 20, soon to be 21 years old, which he did. And uh, didn't make any money, but he taught me the business. And I did work service for many, many years. He taught me the parts into the business as well. And then one day he said, you know, I think you make you a sales manager, but you got to go over and sell cars. For a couple of years, I had to sell cars for Mr. Fritz at Volvo of Riverside, as mm -hmm. well as be the service director. Mm -hmm. Ultimately, I became sales manager, which moved me to become a general manager of that store in 1988, which I did. And then I hooked up with Mr. Sherman in 1992. I became a minority partner with him at uh, exclusively Volvo and Porsche. And here we are, years here later. Are. Here we are. So only in America. Only in America. Hard work. And congratulations on all your success. I mean, obviously, you were uh, recognized as someone that was worthy of in uh, various uh, people's investments of, of time and, and energy. And, uh, and you didn't let them down. You certainly didn't let yourself down. You did a great. You know, a lot of that had to do with what I experienced going back to 1975 and how I saw consumers treated yeah. by the car business. Mm -hmm. And I just I didn't like what I saw. And I just didn't really feel you needed to run business that way. Mm -hmm. And I've always kind of adopted that, that I uh, treat people the way you want to be treated. Yeah. And so that's had a big impact on how we run our store today. Uh, I just think that it's not necessary to yeah. treat consumers that way. You know, we respect them and uh, it pays off in the long term and it has for us. And we talked about that a little bit off mic, um, the perspective of, you know, lots of people come up to the car business in different ways. But you having come from the service side and spending, spent some considerable time on the service side before going into sales and now, you know, being ultimately responsible for the operation of the entire enterprise, uh, that's, a, that's a big difference. I don't think that there's a whole lot of, of uh, other professionals that have taken that path. Um, how do you feel that impacts the philosophy here? What customers coming to the store experience and kind of just a, a big picture view of that? Well, I definitely think it's unique because typically general managers come up through the sales environment, right. yeah. coming up through the back end, fixed operations, parts and service, uh, different perspective completely. Yeah. So um, again, some stuff I was told by a wise gentleman when I was much younger, my grandfather said, if you're going to get into service, what the best thing you need to do is remember people's names. Always remember their last name. And if you can greet every customer with their last name and make them feel warm and welcome, they'll remember you and they'll want to do business with you. Absolutely. So that has a lot to do with how we are today is that purchasing a car, servicing a vehicle, coming into a car dealership doesn't have to be an anxiety-filled transaction. And that starts, you know, even in the service department, when a consumer pulls in the driveway, they don't know where to go. Sure. They don't know how they're going to be approached. Sure. It, it, this, the whole process is intimidating. Yep. Until you have a relationship with someone at that store that you're comfortable with, and then you find the barriers come down, comfort level changes. So I think that entire field that I learned from the back end of the operation 
is carried over into my sales portion of it and how to run the business. Make consumers feel welcome and friendly. And understand the first time in, first few times in, they're probably apprehensive. Sure. Make them feel comfortable. Yeah. It's a respectable philosophy for sure. And and uh, I think in, in this day and age when there's so much information out there, um, you need to really differentiate. And, and I could tell a difference the first time I went to your website. Um, certainly when I walked in, I could tell a difference. When you and I sat down to talk about working together, uh, I could tell a difference. And um, what, how, do you, how do you articulate that difference to your customers? Um, yeah, what, I, I'm going to answer that. I'm going to answer simple, very simple. I think the word is approachable. I'm approachable. Yep. We are approachable. If it's at the mall, it's at dinner, it's at Subway picking up a sandwich at lunch, or it's walking in the showroom floor, we're approachable. We, there's, no, there's no barrier whatsoever. So, you know, what you see is what you get. I think we're friendly. We're outgoing. It's difficult to speak to it, but I'm sure you sensed it when you walked in the first time. Sure. It's, it, we're really a family-owned and operated business is what we are. And that's a big thing in automotive retailing. It's becoming a bigger thing in automotive retailing, isn't it? It is. Uh, when I started in the business, and probably up until, I don't know, as much as five years ago probably, the way we were training sales staff members was that when consumers come in to purchase a vehicle, they're very uncomfortable doing it because they do it once every three, four, five years. Right. And you do it every day. Right. Well, that's not the same approach any longer because there's so much information available today online that consumers are coming in more informed in some cases than the sales staff is. Sure. They actually know more information. Sure. So you need more consultive in your approach. So being approachable makes that whole process, I think, just takes the barrier walls down quicker. Know in mind that you just you're, you need to answer questions truthfully, straightforward, give them the answers they're looking for because they want to do business with somebody they can trust. A little bit about the brand of Volkswagen. You've you've worked with them for a long time. Um, it's iconic. It's cult like. It's Farfignugan. It's uh, the the uh, when Farfignugan first came out, and and some people to put on their Volkswagens the uh, the kind of slang for that. The right. uh, yeah. Something grooving, right? Uh, which uh, all of it made me chuckle, you know. And it's just, it's just one of those brands that kind of like, huh? I mean, all the way back from the Beetle, right? That was yeah. a, that was the first Volkswagen right. on the on That's the correct. streets here in in, in the United States. Um, what's your take on 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 the brand that is Volkswagen? Where where it's come from? Where it is now? Well, I've, obviously, they're working very very hard uh, to be, become more than a niche player in the automotive business in business in the United States. Uh, they made a real commitment to this market when they built the plant in Chattanooga, Tennessee to produce the Passat model in 2011. Uh, at that particular time, our industry was not where it is today as it relates to SUVs. It was more of a sedan market. So for Volkswagen to make that type of investment, so you want to build that car here in the United States for the American um, 
say people, not not to ship out, but to have here was a big deal. Now, subsequently, obviously, the markets changed, and right. sedan still plays a bigger role. Yep. People are buying the three different types of SUVs, large, medium, and small-size SUVs. So Volkswagen's addressed that mm-hmm. with, with their model lineup being the new seven-seater Atlas, which is less than a year in the market, mm-hmm. the new seven-seater Tiguan, which is less than a year in the market. Mm-hmm. So they've really, you know, obviously recognized that there's a shift in the market. So that wouldn't have happened prior to Chattanooga. Really? That just wouldn't have happened. Mm. It just wouldn't have been able to probably do it uh, cost effective, sure. develop brand new platforms. So building this MQB platform where they're able to have a scalable uh, one size platform for all these models is a really big deal. So. That's it. We have the new Jetta coming out in April mm-hmm. this year, which is also, that's a segment that's not as large, but it's still very important right. for Volkswagen. Right. You, right. A lot of people know us as a, a Jetta car company. Yeah. So I'm that'll help. from the Midwest. I mean, the Jetta was a big, that had like a following at, at like a subset following of, of all Volkswagen. Sorry to interrupt you, but. You know, well, that's that true because that's really the case. You know, I mean, the Jetta still to this day has a great following. Even though that segment is shrinking, sure. there'll be adjustments uh, in manufacturing to account for that. But it's still a very important part. It's kind of like that brand icon yeah. for us is what it is. So yeah. uh, we're really excited for that new car coming out uh, by mid-year. And uh, I think it'll you know, help Volkswagen reestablish a foothold in that segment. So we touched on this a little bit, the uh, the LA Coliseum. Mm-hmm. A few moments to to share with uh, 100,000 of your closest uh, new friends and potential customers. What 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 do you share? I say, you? hand me a mic. I'd have no problem talking to them. <laughs> I can tell. <laughs> <laughs> uh, going back to that one word, approachable. Yeah. Uh, we're just um, very very uh, open in how we do business and. Uh, I think you have to try to sense it. I could talk about it all day long. Sure. I can, you have to come but, in. But you really need to kind of look at what, uh, look at the third-party review sites. Look at what Yelp customers are saying about us. Look at what Google Plus customers, Facebook customers. These are all, you know, very valid third-party websites that offer customer reviews, unsolicited customer reviews, I may add. Yep. You can look at the fact that we were, we've won the Volkswagen Customer First Club Award four years in a row. I can't mention another California dealer that has won that award four years in a row. That's a report card from the customers who are doing business with both sales and service. And we all know it's much more difficult to get a good score in the service department. It's much more difficult. And the fact is that we've been able to secure these high ratings through these uh, third-party websites as a validation of what I'm speaking to today. We were just recognized as the California Volkswagen Dealer of the Year through Dealer Raider. So there's all sorts of things that can validate what I'm telling you, but you really have to experience it to understand what I'm what I'm trying to explain. Right. Come on in. Come on in. Is there anything that you'd like to touch on that we haven't? No, I'm really happy to be part of this uh, uh, iDrive SoCal podcast. I'm looking forward to the relationship growing. So come on by and say hello and introduce yourself to us and i think you'll find that uh we have something to offer absolutely thank you so much uh ontario volkswagen earl reed we very much appreciate you being part of our program and welcome to our family thank you uh and we look forward to uh helping to to intertwine our family with your family and uh help bring news of the volkswagen 
brand to uh, Southern California for many years to come. Stay tuned. Stay tuned. <laughs> for I Drive SoCal, I'm Tom Smith. Thanks for listening. SoCal was field produced by Gil Perez. It was edited and engineered by Michael Palmquist.